Hey everybody, what's going on? Episode 2 of Montoya and Company Podcast. We are the Montoyas, you are the company. I am joined by my brother, Jamie. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Uh, glad to have everyone back. Hope y'all are uh, having a good, good, good night for me and across the world having a good, good morning from Isaac. Well, not only that, you had a great week. You and your wife, Bailey, just had a kid. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, we had a, a little beautiful baby boy. Uh, he's doing well. Mama's recovering nice. We're ha- glad to have him home. He's loving home. Nice. So, yeah, I appreciate it. What's, uh, what's, your, what's your son's name? Uh, Lennon. Nice. And then you and Bailey are going to go visit our parents tomorrow, right? Yes. So I'm tripping, taking a trip down to Arkansas. Nice two-hour drive. First, first drive with baby. So, yeah. Nice. Heck yeah. All right. So today we are not going to talk about the other two divisions. We're kind of like shifting gears going in like a bit a different direction. We're still trying to figure out like what kind of style we want this podcast to be. So today's going to be more of like a discussionary type podcast, not really breaking down anything. We're kind of just like talking about what we think is interesting. Uh, we both picked a subject, but uh, Jamie is going to go first. So why don't you kick it off? What do you want to talk about today? All right. So me and Isaac, we share notes. I share mine. He shares his. You know, we keep this flowing. So I'm actually going to I'm actually going to make this a little bit more of an open discussion as well. I mean, if -hmm. you don't mind, if you're ready, if you're ready to give me some opinions, I'm ready to give you some opinions. Okay, so you got my notes handy by chance. I do. I have them on my phone in front of me right here. Okay, so give everybody a quick one down. Um, I'm going to be discussing a lot of women within the U.S. Olympics team, which has been great, by the way. The Olympics, which has been has has been amazing. Honestly, we've seen a lot of things that a lot of people would never even believe if we told you, say, ten years ago. Yeah, and I think the Olympics have been very fun, despite not having an an audience. Uh, Me and Haley were both bummed about that. Uh, For those of you at home. I'm in the military. I'm actually stationed in Japan. Uh, but maybe like a week or two before they started up is when the, like a lot of COVID cases broke out. So Tokyo as a whole is actually off limits for us here uh, in the military. So we cannot go to the Olympics, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, it's actually been really entertaining to watch without fans. But uh, yes, the women have, the USA women's team has been absolutely killing it. It's, it seems like it's just all US all the time. Right, for sure. And that's that's kind of why I'm so excited about this year's Olympics, because, you know, we're seeing almost like a, a mirrored I- image of of superstars emerging that, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're no longer talking about Phelps era, you know. No, we're, we're kind of like into we're this, talking about this the new Ledecky. generation. I mean, we are in the, this Ledecky versus the world, especially, uh, I mean, of course, versus Australia. Oh, she's but, been killing it, though. But she's been absolutely racking it up. So I'm going to ask you take a look over my notes and what uh-huh. what what kind of uh, around these areas what what stands out to you the absolute most What's well obviously uh felix obviously winning uh four open medals five relays that's you know nine medals she got second place you know killing it absolutely murdering it and, and like what you were saying earlier we are kind of like moving into this new generation of olympians you know we're kind of like moving you know, Phelps isn't competing anymore and Usain Bolt in track and uh, Felix Jones and uh, Lo- uh, Lolo Jones. 
the uh, famous track star turned for sure. uh, turned a bobsledder athlete. Yes, I didn't actually know that until like I think last year. So, but uh, one thing that I do want to talk about, I want to talk about this. Uh, I want to talk about this kind of going from away from Japan a little bit. I kind of post this on our Facebook. I want to talk about just real quick the thirteen-year-old. Uh, how do you say? It? I think it's Mo- Momiji. Uh, Momiji Nishima. She won. She's a thirteen-year-old girl who competed for Japan. Uh, she won gold medal in women's skateboarding. And uh, she's the yeah. youngest gold medalist in Japan history. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, to even, I mean, even to follow up on that, I believe you have the second place who was even, I believe, three months younger. Really? So you have two 13-year-olds on top of the stadium. And then coming in bronze, you have a 16-year-old. And that's crazy. I mean, not, I mean you're going hand-in-hand hand with, you know this sport being introduced this first year. Yeah. Uh, this is great. But also your first 13 year old gold medalist. Yeah. No, it's, and the thing and, is like, and, even living in Japan, I didn't even know skateboarding was that popular over here. I mean, I guess proofs in the pudding on that one. Yeah. I mean, I do live in the Northern part of the Island. Like I'm not anywhere near like Osaka or Kyoto or Tokyo, like the more, uh, urban areas. So yeah, and th- and that's still crazy to think that on that podium was two Japanese yeah superstars. Oh yeah, that's that's and super cool. A- another another quick thing is you you can't forget about what's coming out on the backside of this is you have a thirteen year old winning, but you yeah. still have I believe a twenty eight year old, maybe even older, mm-hmm. competing as well. I think it was like actually. 34 i can't remember but you have this 20 year gap in a a, in its premiere of an olympic games Mm -hmm. and you know we we saw the american coming forth uh alex sablon yeah and she she yeah she herself is actually 34 years old so you see this age gap yeah so it's three brand new things coming into olympic light that if you were to tell someone this and Olympic statistics, yeah, like they they wouldn't even believe you. Right. First, for age gap wise, the sport, and quite frankly, I mean, like you said, I mean, kind of like the countries that are coming up, yeah, that come out on top with the the Japanese. So, bra- I mean, bravo, absolutely bravo. Yeah. Uh, speaking of brand new and unseen things, uh, this was the for also the first year of three on three basketball, uh, half court style basketball. I think they play by ones and twos, if I'm not mistaken. And the USA women's took home the gold in that one, beating Russia 18 to 15. What do you think about three on three basketball being an Olympic sport? I was about to ask you. I mean, for sure. Is it, I mean, buy or sell? I mean, we kind of had this discussion earlier. I'm getting, I'm, I mean, I'm not, listen, not I know to be you, that guy, yeah, but, but you don't I, like I, basketball. Not, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate that basketball is in the Olympics, but I do not want to watch pickup basketball. It it kind of does have like that pickup basketball kind of vibe. It it just like I mean, watching you're the playing games, half court. What's yeah. the point? I mean, I mean, I get the point. It's beautiful. You know, you have good well, shooters for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's more of like an informal type of sport. You know, I know that in over here in the U.S., I think Ice Cube 
runs a three-on-three basketball league called the Big Three. Now, I mean, it's not; it's nowhere near like NBA level. Even they do have some NBA names, but retired. But going back to the Olympics, it is kind of because you see the Olympics and you think of like these very prestigious sports or like sports that are. I guess the word is formal, but I mean, obviously, you know that's that's changing with because this was also the first year of surfing uh like we were saying earlier the first year of um skateboarding and watching the games maybe it would be different with an audience but watching the games it kind of felt a little bit informal it did look like and kind of when you're watching it, it did feel like pickup basketball because you know all the, like like it's half court so like and the benches are right behind the half court line um, right so it, it you know everybody's like literally right there you know what i mean so it it felt informal i thought it was a fun idea do i think it's going to stick around long term i don't know my, my thing is if you know what's the turnover i mean are you having almost like an esports turnover is you keep these people for 3 years on this company on this you know program and then you're finding I don't really Your know replacement how it is works. a starter. You know what I'm saying? I like, know that I fear, I fear that that is where you don't, where you kind of draw the line that you know. Are we looking out for these people in terms of sports? Are you giving the respect of sports? Mm, I think it. I think they debate it. Like I think they have like a committee because I know because I don't know if you remember, but a couple of Olympics back, like maybe I think two or three Olympics, maybe even Rio back in 2016. I know that softball got cut right as an yes. Olympic sport, but that was right. be- but that was because it was seemingly like the USA women's US team was, was unbeatable. But, but I mean, that to me that's not a good pull. No, that's that's not a good reason that, that because like you know because they kept men's baseball around. So, but going back to the subject at hand, do I think that three on three basketball has a place in Olympics? My initial response is no. I just don't know how. I I just don't think that it does. And I'm not. And I want to clarify. I don't mean this for just women. I think for all around, like for men's and women's. I just don't know if three on three basketball is should be an Olympic sport. But kind of like going right. back on the like, kind of like going a little bit away. Just real quick. Do you think that esports should be in the Olympics? Because this was oh, a subject absolutely. maybe like a year or two ago. Uh, to me personally, I, I would say absolutely not. Because I don't know if you know, Overwatch actually does have a World Cup. I don't know about like League of Legends or Dota 2 or anything like that. But I know that Overwatch right. League or Overwatch before the pandemic, they did do an Olympic or like like a, a World Cup type tournament. Right. Right. And it so after that came up, people were like, well, should esports be an Olympic sport? And the president of the IOC was like, no, but his reasoning was kind of weird. It kind of, it, it, it came off as that he doesn't really understand or know a lot about video game culture because he was saying like, we don't want violence and blood and all that stuff, you know, in our, we don't want that tainting the, like the Olympic image or stuff like that. I was like, well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of video games that don't, that that's not an element at all. I think he was just using a general idea. But anyway, going back. But let's... So, like, going away from 3v3 basketball, and we were talking about softball, Japan, the big upset 
Japan over the United States in the gold medal game, two to nothing. And up to that point, the USA women's softball team was actually undefeated in the Olympics. They had not lost a game until the gold medal match. And uh, what do you think about them losing two to nothing? Honestly, I mean, I mean, red, white, and blue, hooray, America. Don't get me wrong. I think it's it's so wonderful for the sport, and I believe it to is see another country that win. this is the beginning of its saving grace. Right. I don't think it should have been pulled in, but like I, I do. I, I agree. I like it. I think it brings parity. It's like, hey, yes. the, the United States is not, they're not invincible. They, they can be beaten. You right. know what I mean? So I think it was good for them. And, you know, I guess I'm kind of playing a homer a little bit. If, the, if USA was going to lose to a country, I'm glad it was Japan, you know, living over here. So that, that's pretty cool. And that was, that's good for them. And, um, I, when I was at work, I was actually watching that game and, Japan was over the moon that they even won that game. So uh, good for them. But I mean. And the wonderful thing about all of it was and how it played out is a lot of these games. Don't get me wrong. Some of them, yes, were absolute blowouts. And you do hate to see that. But the way that Japan and America went through this tournament, you didn't see. I don't think America pulling more than four runs in the last. No. America, you know. America was America was a definitely a team built around pitching and defense. They weren't right. racking up runs like their bats weren't on fire. The USA women's the USA softball was beating was beating countries with just defense and great pitching. Right, and you saw okay, that so, in the Japan game. So, kind of stemming off that, um, I don't know if you saw it by chance within the last however long, but. They discovered some softball equipment, jerseys, windbreakers, mm-hmm. things of those natures found in the trash can left by, left behind by uh, Team Mexico, who actually ended up placing fourth overall. Really? Yeah. And um, the only true response that we got back from anyone tied to the to the to their actual team was that there simply wasn't any room for luggage. So they just and some of them have to had to even leave behind personal items such as their their personal glove. Really, but but my thing is, you know, uh, either way you look at it, I I, at the end of the day, I hope that is the case. I hope that they did not dismantle and throw away their clothes by choice and by by anger. Yeah, but 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 that's kind of something that you know it has to land somewhere. I mean, imagine that happening to you and Mm -hmm. you're just being told hey you don't have the luggage for this like it Mm -hmm. it's it i feel like that somehow has to land on someone you know if that were to be something that perhaps were just the rules going in i do believe that which is hard due to the state that the world is in to deliver said you know at that point yeah I mean, you could have, I mean, it, it really just depends on the context and, and, you know, maybe we'll never know, but I, right. my initial reaction is like, you know, why couldn't you have maybe donated it? Absolutely. And, but a glove is kind of weird because like, that's, that's the tool that you use for the trade. Right. Like that's how, that's what you came to, like, that's how you perform your job is with your glove. So right. gloves being left behind that, that's kind of interesting. That's kind of weird. Um, because you, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't 
I haven't worn a baseball glove in 15 years. I don't know if they were given to them per se by, you know, country funding. Yeah. But a lot of pictures that I'm seeing right here, they're not like super customized. They're not crazy. There's like colorful generic stuff. Right. So I kind of am with you there that that is, if that is their personal belongings, like, yeah, I mean, you know, that's, odd yeah that is kind of odd i mean i guess on the extreme side of the spectrum um i know that a lot of people are like not unless like especially mexican athletes and like mexican sports in general are kind of coming under fire i don't know if you knew this or not but a couple of months ago uh fifa came out and they told they gave mexico's soccer men's soccer team a warning uh, because fans were shouting homophobic slurs at like yeah they were saying uh they were saying like every time it was mostly when like the opposing team was taking like penalty kicks and stuff like that uh the home crowd behind the net would i'm not going to say it on here but they would say like some kind of homophobic slur and the FIFA men's committee came out and said, hey, if you keep doing this, um, we are going to ban Mexican fans from watching the game. And uh, if it keeps happening, uh, Mexico, they were like threatening to take like to, to disqualify Mexico from like future FIFA tournaments. I mean, rightfully so (laughs) absolutely yeah and the thing is is like and some of the response was like well that's been we've done that for years you know that doesn't really make it right i'm not saying that the the i'm not saying the softball team was throwing away country gear out of retaliation but i guess like that's the most extreme answer is like right maybe they aren't happy with mexico you know but i mean right but they honestly they could have just thrown it away out of anger because they thought Anger, that they right. should have performed that's, better that, than fourth that, that's place. That's something. That's something I want to talk to you about on on a different side of the spectrum as well. Is you know, you know that's a that's a pretty bold way to react to a loss. But I mean, yeah, is is it? I mean, there's almost some sense of pride of just like being so upset with yourself that you're in disgust with how it un- unfolded. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know if you remember, like, I didn't, I never really reacted super negatively to a loss. Right. Uh, when I was running track. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you can be angry. I don't know if that justifies you, like, throwing gear away. <laughs> right. I Almost mean, with in the back of your head, knowing. Like, oh, this has a country flag on it. Yeah, I, you know. (laughs) This probably shouldn't go in the trash. But the pictures I saw, they were like, I don't know if maybe someone just pulled it out of the trash can. I guess that's all could be the case. But, you know, these were like clean trash bags. So that kind of makes you think like, oh, we don't have the space for this. Oh, let's let's put away this. Okay. Well, you know, I I mean, the thing is like, so the pictures that you pulled up, are they covered in trash? Like, no, were they found in like, they weren't. They like, were like, you know, dug out trash cans, you know? Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. But that, at that point, you know, you know how people are like, they're yeah. like, oh, this is evidence. <laughs> right. No, <laughs> like, I don't I'm think. I'm taking this out. Yeah. I, I mean, don't think that's... there's any wrongdoing done. It's just like, and you know, and the thing is, is like, 
the initial theory might be correct. Maybe they literally just didn't have room in their luggage. I think that's kind of weird. Like you don't have, you didn't have room for like a jacket, you know, like, right. Yeah. It's I'm like, I'm, it's a I'm definitely wearing a jacket. Like I could have, sure. you could have, you could have worn that to the airport. All right. So moving on a little bit, this was something that I was glad to catch live. Um, I was watching a lot of the Olympics at, uh, there at the hospital just waiting. Yeah. So on, I think it was day one. I think they started on the 25th. I yeah. Don't know. I think it was. The Anyways. So four time champ, NCAA champion from Notre Dame wins the uh, women's foil fencing. Yeah. And she wins it 15 to three. So this, I mean, this was a, it was a nail black biter and yeah. it was just honestly. So first women to ever do that in America history. The first, and, the first um, American women to win fencing, yes, or women's and, foil, um, and just bravo on that. I mean, oh, yeah. this is what this is why I want to focus on the women's team so much because you are seeing some of the greatest stories of all time. Oh, I it's mean, been great. I I believe she's twenty seven. I don't know how yeah. people, how long people foil. Yeah. I, I couldn't even begin to tell you, but yeah, um, it. I mean, it was a close one, and honestly. What's one thing I do I have enjoyed? I'm sure you've seen a few videos. Is the coaches' reactions of this games? <laughs> yeah, because there is so yeah, much room, so good that you can just you can do just do whatever, whatever you want, like, like be your own person. And, and me, from standing from a coach's point of view, mm-hmm. I mean, I was very contained when a young man that I coached won his two state races. Yeah. And so, don't get me wrong, I was yelling on top of my lungs, but, you know, I wasn't able to, to run around and go nuts. You're yeah. seeing these coaches come alive, and, yeah. I, and I just, I'm, I'm loving every second of it. Like, uh, did, you, did you see that Australia coach? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> that guy was losing his mind. People are mad. I don't know why they're so mad. You can't celebrate. Like, I know. I didn't even don't know people wrong. were mad. You're supposed to have that, that respect for... He the was way up in the stadium. He was like, I mean, up there. Yeah. Up there. Okay. Like, like, here's the thing. Uh, there's a camera on him. I, I, in the moment, in the moment, are you, do you really these care people, about that? There's these, a camera on you. And these people are the people that just don't get it. You no, know, they when don't. You have crafted and you have worked, worked and put in the time and put in the mental frustration of coaching. Yeah. When you see that unfold, you don't, you're, you're not even there. Well, it is, you know, you don't even remember that. No, do you, I mean, like, great example. Do you remember when I won the state championship? Dad doesn't remember celebrating at all. People don't remember. Dad doesn't. Celebrating because they're just gone. Yeah. And dad, like, threw his arms up in the air. Like, he celebrated like a madman. And then when I asked him about it earlier, he's like, I don't remember. Oh, yeah. So no, are, I, that's what I'm saying. Those are definitely the people that, you know, opinion, they're just going to see. They're just going to play the devil. Yeah. On that one. Uh, kind of going off what you're saying, like how great the USA women's has been. Simone Biles last week pulled out of the Olympics uh, before the team final. Um, at first it was an injury and then it came out as she wanted, she was going through some mental stuff. And then Suni Lee comes out. And wins the women's Olympic all-around gold, and uh, the USA has just dominated Olympic gymnastics when it comes to the all-around. 
a woman and a, an, a, a, an American woman has won uh, Olympic all around gold in gymnastics every Olympic since 2004. Um, so what do you, what do you think about, what do you think about Suni Lee winning gold? What do you think about Simone Biles, um, not participating due to mental reasons? And just like, again, USA's continued dominance in gymnastics. Yeah. I mean, first I would obviously applaud Suni Lee for, you know, what, what she, what she kind of had to go through to even commit to performing herself. Mm-hmm. say out of respect for her teammate simone which simone was there at the finals cheering on her teammate and you know taking a look at it all and i'm sure perhaps she had a talk with simone and she said you know you don't dare pull out of this you know yeah. this is your moment right but i also want to look at it from Bile's point of view is that what Biles has done for the sake of gymnastics, it goes so much further than simply what she does. Oh, she's a megastar. At the sport. But more importantly, she became a voice for young gymnastics women mm-hmm. to be alert and to understand what it means to be coached and what it means to be self-assured with not only your body mentally, but with your body as mm. it being your body. Yeah. And not only just your body, and, just like your mental state, you know, like, like she said, like she felt like she had the weight of, she said the weight of the world, but I would emphasize like the, you know, the weight of the United States on her shoulders and, you know, and sometimes the the mental side of it just gets to you. I mean, just to co like, it wasn't that long ago that Naomi Osaka pulled out of the U S open. Oh, absolutely. Because for mental reasons, so, you know, I mean, the, the mental strain is definitely there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you begin to take a stand on a sport, you are taking on the entire world, whether they're for you or against you, mm. because you are now in the spotlight of so many people who believe in you. Right. And you are, you know, supposed to perform at your highest level. Yeah. Which for them is unearthly. No, yeah. And, and yeah. What the what the real shame of it is is this mental part of it comes only from the outside, yeah. and not of who she is or who believes she needs to be. But it's yeah with someone who is flying higher than any other woman has ever done. Yeah, and I, being told this is unacceptable. Yeah. I mean, that you are performing at this rate. Yeah. She definitely has nothing to prove to anybody. No, absolutely not. And I believe that's one of the things that's, I mean, the best thing for her. She doesn't need to win a gold medal to, for name of the country, for anything. She has helped an entire gender identifying as gymnastics. And I mean, she has opened up, um, I don't know what you call them, studios, perhaps, where people do gymnastics, pretty much gymnasiums. (laughs) Gymnasiums, probably. Yeah. (laughs) So um, for people that, um, you know, are, it's quote unquote, you know, kind of open to the public in terms of as terrible as it sounds, they have nothing to hide because they are not there for any other reasons. Then to look over the safety of 
the future of gymnastics. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, she's won. She won an Olympic gold medal back in 20, in twenty sixteen. She's right. won multiple world championships. Right. Like I said, she's a mega star. Everybody, everybody who's anybody knows who Simone Biles is. So right. she definitely has nothing to prove to. She has nothing to prove to us. She's got nothing to prove to the sport of Olympics, like like the country or the world. But right. congratulations to Suni Lee. Stepped yeah, up. Absolutely. Stepped in, like just took her spot and just ran with it. Uh, and she wins a uh, gold medal in all around gymnastics. Uh, is there anything else you got? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing that you, that we first talked about is um, you actually picked out my favorite thing to come out of this um, whole pool is uh, Allison Felix. I mean, mm-hmm. what is she going on her fifth Olympics? Yeah. She's fifth or fourth. Fifth, I believe. Oh, a lot. She's she's been a while. And another woman who, uh, you know, we we like we were saying, we were seeing this almost, almost literally in the most physical definition of shift. We are seeing this shift. I mean, for years we talked about Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt, Usain Bolt. Mm-hmm. But we're looking at a woman who is chasing. History. Running as a lifetime, a true lifetime's worth yeah. of running. Right. And doing it at the highest level. And bravo for her. She's doing it in the 400. You see her in the 200 mm-hmm. most of the times. And I believe that's where her open uh, medals come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I love it. I mean, I love to see it. I love to see Galen Rupp turn, when he turned into, is turning to, is an incredible marathon runner. Oh, yeah. I wish. I wish I could have seen Usain Bolt run the four. Yeah. I, I'm so I am so glad that we're seeing this transition for her. So bravo yeah. out bravo to her. Shout out to Allison Felix. Indeed. Chase for it. Go for the gold. Yep. Also, also We I, all believe in you. Yes, we do. Um I've actually been watching a lot of uh volleyball at work. So my place of work, uh we get no inter- we have no Wi Fi. I get no service on my phone at all. So all we have is like a TV. Luckily, everybody that I work with likes sports. So we've been watching. The USA women's volleyball has been dominating. Um, they had a scare a couple of days ago against Turkey. Um, yeah. When it was like, it was two, it was tight. They were, they got out to a two game lead and then Turkey came back and won the next two games. So it came down to the fifth and final game, but America was able to pull it out. But American volleyball, uh, women's volleyball looking dominant. All That's right. awesome. So we're going to shift gears now. Uh, that was an amazing talk. I really enjoyed that. That was super cool. I love talking about Olympics, but we're going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, so a couple, maybe about a month ago, um, the NFL came out with new COVID protocols. Maybe not a month ago, but a couple of weeks ago at least. They came out with new COVID protocols stating that more or less like the big talking points about it were um, if a team was to uh have an outbreak of covid to where to the point where they had to they couldn't play the game the nfl stated that they would not extend the season at all and that if the game could not be made up the team that had the breakout would be the forfeit would have to forfeit the game right and um both teams players would lose their game checks And so this is and this is the NFL's attempt to basically get everybody vaccinated. 
Right. Like this is like them saying like, hey, you need to get the vaccination because if not, if there is an outbreak, uh, you're going to lose your game check. The other team will lose their game check and stuff like that. And so a lot of notable NFL players have came out. Uh, not a lot, but a few. Uh, DeAndre Hawkins, the wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, came out and tweeted out. But then he, the, the, the tweet has since been deleted. Basically saying that he would rather, he's, he's considered retiring from the NFL instead of getting a vaccine. Um, right now, the NFL stands at 85% vaccination. Uh, some teams are reporting over 90%. Uh, I know at some point, I think the Bucks were 50% unvaccinated. And then uh, just recently, the NFL released the preseason COVID protocols. And there was something, and uh, so the way that it works is that um, they have different tiers of people who are allowed to have access in the club's training facilities. And tier one is like basically like your really important people, your players and your coaches and stuff like that. And tier two is like probably like trainers or stuff like that. And they were saying that if unvaccinated, and so like tier one people are allowed in restricted areas in the facilities. But they said that after two weeks, if tier one people do not get vaccinated, they are no longer allowed into restricted areas. That includes training facilities, where they get their meals, weight rooms, practice fields. So basically, if you're an unvaccinated player, you don't get to practice if you don't get vaccinated. Right. Uh, Some NFL players have referred to it as like, playing in jail like you're in jail now yeah yeah um so what do you think do you so my question to you is this do you think that the nfl is violating unvaccinated players rights or do you think that uh unvaccinated players are putting their teammates livelihood at risks based on a personal choice yes I mean, there's only one way to look at that is they are, don't get me wrong. I I see where the NFL is coming from, but they're doing both. I mean, I thought this a week ago when I saw him tweet that out is that I think we're going to, we're going to see some lawsuits. Lawsuits. Really? Uh, Absolutely. Like if there's a breakout and like somebody loses their game check, like they're going to like sue the NFL or something. No, I just believe like DeAndre Hopkins could be a a perfect example for simply suing the NFL for these conditions. Well, I mean, the thing, but the thing is, like, he can't actually do that. Oh, really? Because these protocols were agreed upon by the NFL and the NFL Players Association. So the uh-huh. NFL PA, the NFL PA represents the players. And so by the by the NFLPA agreeing to these with the NFL, they're basically saying, yes, all all players agree to this. Like, right. So they, they actually can't be sued. So, you know, I totally understand. And I don't I do not fault the NFL because the NFL at the end of the day, the NFL has to be, has to be a business. Right. You know, they have to they have to do. Yeah, they have to do what they think is best for them in the long run. Absolutely. Because the thing is, is that last year, or like, you know, like this, last, this past year, the NFL lost money, and baseball lost money, NBA lost money, like everybody lost money 
or at least at the very least they didn't make near enough money as they did before because you know there was no fans in the stadium you didn't sell tickets you didn't sell food beer merchandise and stuff like that so they lost a lot of revenue and they don't want to do that again right um you know what i mean because of a future potential covid outbreak so i i don't fault the nfl my thing is that you know if you don't want to get like if you are just that much against not getting vaccinated um maybe you should just sit out the season right i mean at that point if you're sitting out the season and your mind's not going to change i mean you might as well retire because what you're not going to be in nfl jail for potentially three three years i mean that's that's almost looking at short term if you're if you're talking about people entering the nfl they have Mm -hmm. to be vaccine but people who are already in it have taken a stand Mm -hmm. you know because if that's the rule you're you're not going to seek an nfl career yeah and for the next potentially i mean who knows 10 years yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta let that vaccine, you know, do its thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, like, the it also states like if you've already had COVID before, um, you're pretty much vaccinated. Like, so, um, uh, that that'll, that'll change fast. Well, in, uh, in their in their eyes, they're gonna. The they're according gonna to the mind. according to the protocols, uh, if you are if you've already had the vaccine, as, or, no, as no, soon. I, if you if as soon had as COVID, a paycheck is as soon as a paycheck is taken away, they're going to be like, "All right, somebody had it." Yeah, they're going to look at the let, let's say let's, players. That let, let's say there's only one person on the team who didn't get vaccinated because they already had it. They're like, "Yeah, you're getting vaccinated." Like they can't make him. They like no. They can't. Yeah, they can't make anybody do it. They can't force you to do it. You know what I mean? They now the club or the organization can like say like, "Hey, you can't come to practice. You can't do this or that or the other." You know, unless you get vaccinated. But I mean, the thing is, like, it to according to most healthcare professionals, if you've had COVID, and then fourteen days after you have it, you are considered vaccinated. And that's what the NFL protocols state that like the only tier one people that will not be taken away, like have their restrictions taken away are fully vaccinated or you've had COVID and it's been 14 days, then you are considered vaccinated. Right. So um, Bruce Arians, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers came out and said that he is going to find, he's going to find his unvaccinated players every day. What do you think about that? Oh, if he's going to find them. He's going oh, he's going wow. he said that he's going to find his unvaccinated players every day that they don't get the vaccine. I think what would be a more appropriate response is that you would put them almost on on leave. Right, tell them like, like hey, like you I would still pay them. But I would say you are quote unquote banned from our facilities. And at that point, the ball is completely in your court rather Mm -hmm. than, oh, you're just grabbing me by my wallet. 
Like, right. I think that's unprofessional. And I think that's an abuse of power. I, I would go as far as saying that is an abuse of power. Yeah. I, I would, if the I NFL would is not making that. you, yeah. if the NFL is not making you, someone within your corporation is making that personal decision. Right. It's already hard enough on players as it is in terms of feeling that you must to simply be recognized by the NFL, but there's a much mm-hmm. more painful feeling than being, you know, treated like that from someone you know within the system of yeah. of your team. Right. I mean, someone you might see every single day. Yeah, but the thing is, I think that if you start telling people like, hey, until you get vaccinated, don't come into our facility, then you're kind of, they're not going to, they're not going to be ready for the season. They're not going to learn the playbook. They're not going to build a relationship with their teammates that they need and stuff like that. I would almost look at, I mean, that's without calling it that, that's severance package. Like you're going to get one year's pay. You won't be on the facilities. And the next year we have simply the quote unquote escape route to say, yeah. you're not playing for us anymore. You haven't played in a year. Yeah. We haven't been able to keep an eye on you. It's almost like a severance pay. Cause I, at the end of the day, it's unfortunate guys. Players didn't want this to happen to them. Nobody wanted this to happen to them. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So why make it any harder than it needs to be? Yeah. Uh, it's definitely like a weird subject. Look, I am not going to sit here and tell everybody like, hey, you should. if you want to get vaccinated, you don't want to get vaccinated. That's your choice. But at the same time, like these protocols are the NFL's choice. They have to protect their own interest. And I think a good right. example is what we were just talking about. The Olympics, the Olympics, they were going to have fans. They were going to have all of this stuff. And then they had, I think, uh, the when the Monday before the Olympics started, there was 2000 new cases of COVID, which was the highest in Japan since I think January. Right. And, and then, you know, look what happened that we have no fans. Right. You know what I mean? And I think the NFL can definitely point to that and be like, this is why we need everybody to be vaccinated so that right. this doesn't happen. So we can actually have fans come and enjoy the game. You know All what right, I mean? So let me, let, let me spin this one for you real fast, real fast. Okay. So last year, you know, no fans during tennis. Mm-hmm. But even before this happened, you know, there was almost no tennis whatsoever. And Novak's a infamous no-vaxxer, anti-vaxxer, Novak Djokovic says, listen, I'm not listening to any of this that y'all are saying. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create my own tournament, a dream tournament held by himself. And I believe a lot of help was given to him, if I'm not wrong, by Alexander Zverev. Like, so you got number one and like... A, a top top 20 10 player for sure top he 10? was no he was top 10 yeah okay from germany i believe yeah he might have even been top five. anyways so they so they host a uh 
almost like a dream a dream tenemis a dream, dream tournament they tournament. had like federer and nadal and uh, um I, I can't remember the names that Andy showed up because i know that i know they didn't have those big names because a lot of them were like um we're on no lockdown, screw bro. you yeah yes okay so they hold this event uh-huh. and they're doing like just different variations of the game of tennis and the way they keep scoring. What, what were they, what were they playing on? They were playing on clay. Was it dirt? Was it grass? I believe they were just playing a hard court. Okay, hard court. And um, so I think they go for about two, maybe three days. Uh-huh. And Alex Sverev and Novak Djokovic come out and tweet that they have caught the COVID strain. Yeah. And that they have disbanded the tournament. And recommend that everyone goes out and gets <laughs> tested. Uh-huh. And so, you know, basically, because he said he went out and said that himself and his wife caught yeah. COVID. Yeah, right. So, so with this type of ignorance, this is where the beauty comes into play. So Novak Djokovic was on his golden slam run, winning mm-hmm. the um French Open, Roland Garros, Wimbledon. And the Australian Open. And he gets to the semifinal rounds, which were like yesterday, and loses to Alexander Zverev. Wow. Actually, I've been watching the Olympics. Ends, uh, and he ended his his golden run. Damn, the the Grand Slam. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because he's already a Grand Slam, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. He he was yeah. On the, he like had the won. Yeah. He was about to he win every big, major this year. Yeah. He was about to grab get his fourth one. Damn. And it ended because of because it's fair. The the man that he held the tournament with. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is like I would have loved to have like been there, not not been there and caught COVID. I would have just loved to have like been there during that tournament, and I wanted to know the moment when he was like. Okay, yeah, I was totally, I was totally wrong. I have COVID. Sorry, guys, I made a big mistake. This was a mistake. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is hilarious. Uh yeah. So with the NFL taking on this, like it's it's a it's a real thing. It's yeah. a real thing that has a real effect. And on the name of sports. Yeah, and there's a they've actually like implemented like different kind of fines. Like I, I'm reading this right here, uh, in the preseason memo, which like I said, it was agreed upon by the league and the NFL Players Association. Teams and players were notified that the aforementioned refusal to submit to virus testing or wearing a tracking monitor. Yes, they have to wear tracking monitors. Would result in fines of fifty thousand and fourteen thousand dollars, respective, uh, respectively. They said an equal $14,000 fine will be issued to unvaccinated players who do not follow restrictions to abstain from attending bars, concerts, and events. Uh, they said unvaccinated players must wear a mask on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, what did we... Did, I mean, didn't we see this taken to the absolute next level with the NBA? Oh, yeah, with the bubble? Yes. I love the bubble. I thought it was great. But yeah, I mean, I mean, we did. But I mean, kind of like going back to what you were saying, like they did let players opt out last year. And I know that a, a couple of NFL players did opt out, including like half of New England starting defense. Uh, but <laughs> I said, I, we're tougher. We're yeah. tougher. So I don't think that. And but those were paid like, hey, if you decide to opt out, you'll still get paid. But I don't think that that will happen this year. So if a player opts out to oh, play this year, not. they won't 
get paid. Right. So, I mean, no, I mean, it's, it's really up I'll, to you. you know, like it's, 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 I mean, a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it is definitely large number crunching. I mean, they have the business to run. Yeah, they do. And I, I respect and they, the NFL's oh, decision. And they, and they owe it to the players. I mean, they owe it to the players to assuring that these games don't get canceled. And well, they assure it to the fans too. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, because like wrong. The, uh, the, listen, guys. The whole, I know the world's a greedy place, but it, we love we love sports. We love the entertainment. Yeah. We we need them to step up. And I understand maybe you're outraged by this, and maybe this is the reason that you're done watching football. But yeah. listen. They have a corporation to run because we are a hundred years deep in it, guys. Yeah, at the at some point, like you can't do this forever, and uh, you know, and continue to lose money. And the thing is, is that, like I said, I'm not here to bash anybody who doesn't want to get the vaccine. That it's your personal choice. But when I think it's a class, of, it's a clash of interests, right? It's it comes down to what you think is right. In your own personal choice to get vaccinated or not, and then it it's going to clash with what your boss wants, essentially. And what the NFL wants is that they want fans, they want people to be vaccinated so that they can hold these games and events in a safe and COVID-free environment. Uh, I know that the wide receiver Cole Beasley, who is who has oh, been yes. like a very uh-huh. famous for being against COVID. He is very much oh, yeah. against the vaccine. Anybody like that. anybody who will listen. And he came out with a long statement and was saying his main thing was that there was not enough information. And I know that in the protocols, the NFL said that they are going to be releasing a video like they're they're gonna be given like they said that like the players are gonna have access to powerpoints, um, and videos, and that every club is required at least once a week to hold basically a a, a con like a like a like a Q and A session with their team's medical staff. So I think the question of there not being enough information out there, I think that goes out the window. I don't. I I think there's more than enough vac. There's more than enough information to make an educated decision on whether to get the vaccine or not. Um, so I think yeah, I do believe that, that everyone's with everyone's biggest concern is that you're seeing that I'm not a COVID expert. Do not take any notes on this, but um, I that people are just worried about seeing the words new strand. I mean. Yeah. When their 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 biggest concern is when does it end, and am I gonna just have to get another shot next yeah. year? Right. Which don't get me wrong, that's hey, that's a yeah. I, no one needs to validate your reason. So no, don't. Uh, and then another part of his argument, and like a lot of people's argument, is a. Uh, and like some NFL, like the like Jalen Ramsey, the starting cornerback for the LA Rams, was he came out and said in a tweet that uh, he knows two people who have the vaccination, but still caught COVID. Uh, but the I thing mean, is, with but, me, that's that's just timeline. Well, like, not only that is that a vaccination is not a cure. Like that's not the definition of what a vaccination is. The purpose of a vaccination is to make sure is so that 
you don't spread it and you don't die from it. It's not a cure because if it was a cure for COVID, it would be called a cure, not a vaccination because you can get the flu vaccination, but you can still get the flu. Absolutely. So again, on that front, you're they're wrong again because they're uh, they're under this assumption that because they think that if you're vaccinated you're cured and that's why a lot of people who are still vaccinated including myself i mean, I don't know if you and your family's vaccinated i know that me and Haley are we still wear our masks because our because va- you because i can still get covid i can still get it so yeah, I I think that argument of goes out the window because it's not a cure; it's a vaccination. Those are two different things, right? So with that, it's like kind of like the same thing. These, I mean, so it's like a lot of the players that abide by these rules. I, you know, if they're fully committed to understanding those that concept, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're going to these Q and A meetings, like this, this information is readily available to them, if not shoved yeah. down their ear. Oh, they try to all the time. And, and, you know, and the thing, another thing, because I was talking to Haley about this before we did this podcast, and her thing was that, you know, that you have all these medical professionals and these scientists and these doctors that say, like, because people are like, we want the information. We want the information. We want the information. And you have doctors and medical care providers and all these people coming out saying, like, hey, this is all the information that we can give you. And they say, well, I don't think that's how that works. And people are like well these are the facts and they and people are like well you know everybody's entitled to their opinion but the thing is is that that's your opinion but these are the facts you know what i mean like everybody can have an opinion like anything they're ever going to tell you the first response is going to be i don't believe you exactly Uh, well then you're you're barking up the wrong tree you gotta go you gotta go somewhere you gotta go somewhere else like that's cool that you don't believe me that doesn't make it untrue you know what i mean go ask somebody else then and it's like no matter what they're gonna be told you know yeah like i'm not gonna believe you like i wouldn't go to Haley's job and be like this is how i think you should insert an iv and then Haley come back and be like well i went to school for four years as a registered nurse and i can tell you for a fact that this is how you insert an IV. And then I come back and be like, well, this is my opinion. Well, that's great. But I, this man is bleeding to death. This man is bleeding, you know, <laughs> this guy's going to die. If I don't, you know, if I do it your way, he's going to die. But if I do it my way, he's going to live because I know how to do this. And, you know, and it's the same thing. Like people come like, well, these are my opinions on getting vaccinated or COVID or wearing a mask. And then you have these people like, well, these are the facts. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, but uh, I mean, for sure, I mean, the NFL is definitely going to take to these protocols. I mean, yeah, this is a this is one of the the widest, if not. Obviously, top three largest entertainment industries. For sure, in America, and for sure, in America, I mean, you know, and the thing is, like, everybody leaned like, you know, last year when everybody was on lockdown, you know, sports is kind of all we had. You right. know, because you couldn't go outside and do things, you know, so right. most people, you know, they watched the NBA bubble and they watched NFL games with no stadiums, which was so weird. It was so weird to watch an NFL game with nobody in the stands. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know if how, what, which side of the fence I land on in terms of agreement, but listen, I'm, I'm loving no fans anywhere. 
I mean, really, you like? Oh, it? absolutely, really, absolutely. I, tying back to this, so John Rom and DeChambeau were not able to compete at this year's Olympics due to their failed COVID test. Yeah. And one of them was replaced by Patrick Reed, who is, had become an, a very infamous golfer mm. due to his, I mean, I'm going to call it what it was. We saw it on camera, cheating. Yeah. And so we saw a fan call him out. can't remember the tournament, but they were doing like doubles. Yeah. And it was for Team America. And a fan shouting at him saying, you're really going to make your caddy carry your clubs and a shovel with you because he was caught on camera with, so when you play golf you can't Make ground your club yeah you can't ground you, your no, club. You, on on the sand trap yeah and there is videos of him scooping it out with the back of his club during oh, i during didn't see that video swings. i saw that video yeah he was doing it he was digging out sand with the back of his club Yep. And so don't get me wrong, that's a very small example of like yeah. fan interaction. But that you see it a lot at tennis. Listen, the crowd for tennis invented the term bandwagon. I mean, they yeah. ride the highs and lows like nobody's business. Like yeah. they will boo you the entire game. Sometimes even watch you get second and cheer your name so that you're I mean, you're held, you know, you put up a good match, so I'll cheer you on. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's entertaining that the crowd is there and you hear them and that you have to, the judge has to tell them quiet down every once in a while. But it's like, that's why I have enjoyed sports without a crowd enormously. Cause it's like, yeah. It's just, oh, it has it's been just you, you, it's just you and the player, person you're playing with. Yeah. No, it, it, uh, they're, they're, don't get me wrong. They was, it was exciting. It was a new way to watch sports without the crowd. Like I said, the NBA bubble was actually like way more entertaining than I thought it would be. Um, I, I think it was Aaron Rodgers who came and said like, somebody asked him like what it was like. And he was like, I think he compared it to playing in practice. Um, but I think yeah, it, I, I, heard, I, heard, I heard practice stadiums were playing, uh, would do like uh, crowd simulations. Yeah, they like, play, they're like pumping, crowd noisemakers. Yeah, they're like pumping crowd noise into the speakers or something like that, which is cool. Yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, I think it, I think this is for more like not really the those at home like me and you like watching sports on TV. I, right. you know, I think it, you know it's obviously for the fan experience. You know, I would like to yeah. go to a, a, an NFL game one day. I'm still beating myself up the fact that I lived in Arizona for two years and go to, didn't go to a single Cardinals game. I don't know how I let that happen. Um, but, you know, it's a fan experience. You know, people want to go to the football games. I think it'll be, I don't think, I think it'll be good to see fans in the, in the stands again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we got time for one more topic, two more topics. What are we looking at guys? Uh, we can go one more topic. I think you got one more topic. I have something. Maybe you don't, maybe you didn't watch it. I, okay. I, I didn't watch it. Okay. Um, Aaron Rodgers interview. I did. He put the okay, Packers break it down on for me. blast. Let's see, oh that's the only thing I heard. God. He, let, let, let's hear it. He let everybody know exactly what happened. So basically, at the beginning of the conference, uh, they asked him, you know, like what all of this stuff was about. And because uh, the speculation was that he 
was upset with the way that the Packers were drafting. If you remember what, kind of like what we talked about last week. Right, giving him no weapons. So he came out and said that it, wasn't, it was not a draft issue. Uh, at the end of the season in January, uh, he went to the front office and he was like, hey, I want to be more involved in recruiting. I want to be more involved in uh, who we hire. I want to be more involved in free agency and stuff like that. Basically saying, like, I want to be more involved in the the makeup of the team. And he was basically told no, more or less. Um, right. Because they they hired, I think they hired somebody else and he didn't know about it and stuff like that. And then, uh, and then he said that a couple of months after that, um, they offered him a new contract or like they were trying to fix the heat. Well, the way he said is like, they were trying to fix the issue with money and that really pissed him off. He did not like that. He felt like that was a slap in his face that green Bay had no respect for him because they thought that they could just throw money at him and he would, it would be fine. Like it would be okay. Um, uh, he said that he debated retiring. Um, because he just he just felt like he wasn't involved in aspects in, in the day to day aspects of the team that he thought he should have that he thought that he had earned the right to do after uh, however long he's played for Green Bay like fourteen like twelve to fourteen years now, um, and I mean he literally hold on, let me let me see if I can pull it up. If I can pull up the transcripts, that'd be great. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. He said that he wanted to help the Packers learn from past mistakes um, in the way that some of the players were let go, like uh, like Randall Cobb and Clay Matthews and stuff like that. And like the name of like a lot of players that he thought that could that should have stuck around because they were great locker room guys because they were a veteran presence that he thought that still very much worked in Green Bay. Uh, he wanted to be a recruiter for the team. He wanted to bring in new free agents and stuff like that. Um, he said that nothing changed. Uh, he said that in March. Uh, He felt like the Green Bay Packers were not ready to commit to him past this season. And uh, so, yeah, he said that uh, after the draft, I think what basically happened was that they said, we'll give you some money now. Let's see if we can throw some money at you. I said from the start, it wasn't about money. So, yeah, he, I, like I said, I think he just wanted to be more involved and the Packers were just not, they just, they just didn't think it was that big of an issue and clearly they didn't want him there any, like they didn't want him. Uh, Listen, you can't, that, you, can, you can't just tell that man to sit down, I'll tell you that. No, he, and like I said, after that, after that 20 minute press conference, basically what everybody took that away from was Aaron Rodgers saying like, I run this team now, you're going to do what <laughs> I want. Uh, I am your boss. Uh, you all suck. 
and you're going to do what I want now. And uh, I think that he actually, they actually did rework his contract, and I think they voided the entire 2023 year. So I don't really know what's going to come from that. But yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers was not happy because he wanted to be involved. The Packers said no. And it kind of seems like they have backed down on that. I think, I think the nail in the coffin of why Green Bay was like, all right, we give in, you win, you can have control of the team, or at least more of control. I think what, what, what it was is when Devontae Adams didn't want to continue his contract talks because they were like, oh my God, we're going to lose our best quarter, like our number one quarterback, and we're about to lose our number one wide receiver. We need to fix this. And the only way that it was going to get fixed was going to Aaron and be like, "You were okay, yeah, you you win." Uh, because after that, after that press conference, Devonta Adams is back in talks with the Green Bay Packers for a for a contract, and they brought up they brought back Randall Cobb. So whatever Aaron Rodgers said behind closed doors worked. Uh, and uh, as some people would say, Green Bay bent the knee to Aaron Rodgers. Man, listen, Aaron Rodgers, if you're here, let me give you some advice, buddy. Pick up the clubs again, get that PGA Tour card, and faint. So you you got to start spanking Phil Mickelson <laughs> on the real tournaments, all right, buddy? I wish I would have watched the match. I, I really wish I would have watched it. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't catch it. They weren't airing it. Was it good? Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. I mean, you had Aaron Rodgers clutch it up at the end. Yeah, that you did. Putt. That, that so, birdie I mean, putt. Yeah, I did see the birdie putt. It was nice. All right, I think that is all the time that we have today. Thank you, everybody, for coming by and watching the Montoya and Company Sportscast. You are the Mon- we are the Montoyas. You are the company. Uh, for me and my brother Jamie, we all hope that you have an amazing week, and we'll see you guys again very soon. Jamie, say bye to the wonderful people. We appreciate it, guys. Peace. Deuces.